Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. To Ruth chapter number two. Ruth chapter number two. Just want to keep you just a few minutes tonight and share some thoughts with you from the remainder of the second chapter of Ruth. Ruth is, of course, a, of course a, the Moabite woman who met Boaz in the field, and we've been looking at their first encounter with each other. When we get to chapter 3, beginning next time, we'll be looking at their wedding plans uh, and their betrothal and up to that, and that'll be exciting stuff as well. But I want us to notice some things this evening uh, that Boaz showed unusual kindness to Ruth being that she was a a foreigner in the land, and he gave her unusual amount of protection. He told her, you glean here, don't go anywhere else, and you folks remember what the law of God said about gleaning. If somebody owned a field, they could go out and they, they harvested the field, and if they missed something or they dropped something, the law said they could not go back and pick it up, that that was for the sojourner or the stranger or for the poor or the orphan. And so if, I was, if you were a landowner and you were plowing your field, first of all, the law said you couldn't go all the way to the end of the property. You could only go within a breadth's distance of it. So you had to leave the outer row of your, of your harvest for those that were in need. And if you gathered up a bundle of grain and you dropped it or anything like that, then you had to leave it. You couldn't go back and get it. And so that's why Ruth is there. She and Naomi are hungry. They have no man in their life to take care of them. Uh, no children, of course, and so that's where they are. They're back in Bethlehem. The barley harvest has now come. God is now blessing the nation again after their poverty time. And so they're back, but they're poor. And uh, so Ruth goes out and gleans in the field. And Boaz notices her and basically goes up and asks his foreman. He said, who is that? And they say, she's a Moabitess woman. And so then Boaz goes over and speaks to her and says, listen, I want you to stay. Don't glean anywhere from here. I want you to stay close to my sisters or my nieces. We, know, we don't know which one it was, but we do know that these girls, these maidens that he was talking about are part of his family, part of his clan. Uh, I want you to stay close to them. I've told the men of the field not to touch you. And that could either be not to touch you physically, but more than that, it's probably don't harass you. Uh, because you're not the owner of the field and you're out here gleaning. Don't let them harass you, Ruth, because you're poor and you're doing this for your family. I've told them to leave you alone. And also, Ruth, I want you to stay close to the group because you can imagine what would happen to a very attractive woman out in the field gleaning in a part of the field all by herself. And uh, so he said, I want you to stay close to the group and I don't want you to go any farther. And then we, that, was, that was Boaz's protection. And then we looked at Ruth's perplexity when we said that she fell on her face and she was absolutely astonished that Boaz showed her this type of kindness. And basically, why have I found grace in your sight? And we liken that part of the story of Ruth to the sinner, don't we? 
that as sinners, as sinners saved by grace, we, we look at God, we bow before God, and we say really in our hearts, and sometimes we say it out loud in our prayers, God, why are you showing such kindness to me? What have I done for you to sow such, un, such kindness to an unworthy person? And the answer is what? Nothing. Nothing. I said Sunday morning, and I'll say it to you again, that God saves us for one reason. And one reason only, for His glory. God doesn't save us because He sees something in us that's innately good. He doesn't save us because He sees something in us that's valuable. He saves us because that's what brings Him glory. And God always does those things that brings Him the maximum amount of glory. Even, folks, if we don't see it, even if those times we really can't because we look, the Bible talks about with eyes veiled, and we really have a tough time looking through these, these eyes of flesh to, to really peer through and see God's purposes, to see God's plan, to see God's promise. But what we have to trust in is whatever God does, whenever God chooses to do it, He always does those things to bring Him the maximum amount of glory, whether we understand it or not. And our purpose of life, our purpose for existence is twofold. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the purpose of our existence as Christians. To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That's it. And if we will practice glorifying God, then all the other things we hear about that we need to do to honor God will naturally fall into place because our number one uh, desire of our life will be to honor and glorify God. And so we see that Ruth is a picture of every sinner. She bows before the Master who became like one of them and showed grace and showed mercy to the one that was undeserving. So let's go on to number three where we see Boaz's proclamation. Now he's going to give Ruth an answer as to why he is showing her so much kindness Verse 11, and Boaz answered and said unto her, It hath been fully shown to me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. But Ruth asked a very simple question. You don't know who I am. Why are you being kind to me? Sometimes, folks, it's just because you've come in contact with a kind person. But Ruth asked a very legitimate question. You don't know me. I'm a stranger in the land. Why are you being kind to me? And Boaz gives the answer. And he first of all says, it has been fully, he says in verse 11, it has been fully told to me. And in the Hebrew, that's a double verb. And in, in the Hebrew language, just to give you a little linguistic things that you probably don't care about, but it'll help you understand. In, in Hebrew, when you have a double verb, you have a double verb for emphasis. And whenever you see a double verb in Hebrew, you'll, you'll notice that it's for the purpose of emphasizing something, or really putting an exclamation point behind a sentence. 
And the reason that's important is because Boaz is telling Ruth, listen, I haven't received this report from one person. I've received this report from multiple people. Ruth, you may be a stranger, you may be a sojourner, you may be new to the service of the God of Israel, but trust me, Ruth, your testimony is clearly known among the people of Bethlehem. I have heard about what you have done from multiple people. And what were those actions? They were twofold. First of all, the actions that she did toward her mother-in-law had made its way around town. Boaz had not just heard from one person the kindness that Ruth has shown to her mother-in-law because she left her family and stayed with her mother-in-law. But Boaz had heard this from multiple people and therefore Ruth was seen by Boaz as a very courageous young woman. And he says in verse 12, The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now what Boaz does is because Ruth has shown kindness to her mother-in-law, shown kindness to this older woman, has shown deference, has shown love. Listen, Ruth left her mom and dad. I remember when I first left my mom and dad. How many of you guys remember when you first left home? Was it fun? <laughs> well, at least he's honest. Rebecca, how were you when you left home? Hey, uh, Brian, how were you? Navy? Okay. So we were about to say, I was 17, so I was 17, a month away from 18, so we were about the same age. And I went away to Bible college at 17 years of age. Um, about eight hours away from home. I had never been by myself away from home that far ever. The closest I had ever come to being away from home was going to, Bob was going to uh, youth camp. And uh, that was in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and um, it was a big group of us, so it made things a little bit easier. But here I am, a 17-year-old spoiled brat, really spoiled brat, and I packed my little bags, get my little car, and head south to almost Gaffney, South Carolina to go to Bible college. I was about 15 minutes from Gaffney. It's a little place called Shelby. And, uh, yeah, that was interesting. That was interesting. I was fine until I called home the first time. And when I called home the first time and I began to hear familiar sounds, that's when it hit me. You know, silly sounds like the dog barking that my parents liked better than me anyway. The grandfather clock, I'm not kidding, the grandfather clock chiming, all these familiar sounds, and I immediately became homesick, and it was not pretty. So leaving, so leaving, if if you, uh, unlike Robert, if it was traumatic for you to leave home, then you kind of get an idea of what Ruth was going through. But not only was Ruth leaving home, but Ruth was leaving her religion. At least I left a 
Baptist home and went to a Baptist college. Ruth left home and she left her religion. Why? To take care of her mother-in-law. And Boaz praises Ruth as a listen. What I'm hearing of you is I'm hearing of the kindness that you've shown to Naomi and the kindness that you've, that you've done to her in leaving your home and leaving your father and mother and sojourning with her. Because listen, had Ruth not come with Naomi, what kind of shape would Naomi have been in? She was probably in no physical shape to go out into the fields and glean. But this young girl went with her to take care of her. And Boaz says, I've heard what's going on with you. I've heard what you've done. And so then Boaz in verse 12 pronounces a blessing on Ruth. Notice what he says in verse 12. The what? Lord recompense thy work. The Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Now, whenever you come in the Old Testament and you come to the, the word Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, it's the word Jehovah. Speaking about Jehovah. Jehovah is the older name of the Hebrew word for God, Yahweh. Yahweh. It's the, Yahweh is a tetragrammaton. It's the, it's the personal name for God. It's the proper name for God. So if anybody ever asks you, what's the proper name for God? It's not God. It's what? It's Jehovah. Or if you want to use a more modern term, it's Yahweh. That's the proper name for God. That's how it appears in the scriptures. And here's what's very important about the Jehovah or the Yahweh is this is the name of the covenant-keeping God. Listen, many of the names of God, and we went through the names of God some time ago, but many of the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, they are the names of God that first emphasizes the fact that God is a covenant-keeping God. Because, okay, let's take Jehovah Jireh. Because God is a covenant-keeping God, He is a God that provides. Because God, Jehovah Nisi, because God is a covenant-keeping God, he is, the, he is the God who is our banner. He's our pastor. What in the world does that mean? He's the one that goes before us. Whenever the Israelites would go out to war, the banner, the banner wavers would always go first. And they would hold the banner of the troops. They would hold the banner of the nation of Israel. And when the Bible says that God is our banner, our Jehovah Nisi, then he, the Bible is saying that He is our covenant-keeping God who always goes before us in the battle. Trust me, when you go into battle with the devil, your Jehovah Nisi goes before you, and so the devil knows whose army's coming. And Jehovah Shalom... Because he is the covenant-keeping God, he is, he is the covenant-keeping God who is also our peace. And it basically means, folks, that God does what he says he's going to do. And when Boaz pronounces a blessing on Ruth, he twice uses the name of God that ind indicates that God is a promise-keeper. I'm not only going to bless you, Ruth, but I'm going to bless you in the name of the God who is a promise-keeper. 
It's the same word that was, or the same name that was used by Moses, or God used to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14, where, where God said to Moses, what? I am that I am. I am that I am is God's divine name. Just as Jehovah, Yahweh, is God's divine name. And it is the same name that Christ uses for Himself in the Gospels. It expresses God's quality of being, ab- being an absolute being, being absolute eternal, absolutely unchanging, absolutely dynamic in His presence. It literally means, folks, He who causes things to be. It could also mean this, I am the self-existent one. Again, it's a personal name of God. And Boaz uses the personal name of God to bless Ruth. That's how he pronounces a blessing on her. By using, no doubt, the highest form of God's name. And Boaz pronounces a tremendous, tremendous blessing on Ruth. Ruth had come to Bethlehem, trustfully expecting to be able to live in Israel with Naomi. Ruth brought nothing with her. Uh, She left everything behind. They both came. They both came poor and really scarcely enough sustenance to sustain their life. But for love's sake, Ruth made the God of Israel her God. You remember Abraham? Abraham left all that he had. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, God told Abraham to leave Ur the Chaldees. And oh, by the way, Abraham, I'm not going to tell you where you're going to go. I'll tell you where you're going as you're going. God ever done that to you? I'll tell you what to do as you're doing it. God sometimes doesn't lay out the entire plan. Sometimes God tells us, one step along the way. As you take the one step, God tells you where to take the next one. Where to take the next one. Where to take the next one. And Boaz wishes on Ruth in verse 12 a full reward. Let me just add this footnote here. There's something beautiful about the relationship between Ruth and Boaz already. The relationship between Ruth and Boaz begins where every relationship should start. Douglas Magnum said, from from both Ruth and Boaz, the display of covenant faithfulness leads to the beginnings of a relationship that will culminate in more provision and protection for either Naomi or Ruth than either Naomi or Ruth could have hoped for what is he saying the beautiful thing about Boaz and Ruth's relationship here is that Boaz and Ruth's relationship began around the covenant keeping God and folks isn't that where every relationship finds its strength around the covenant keeping God 
Ruth and Boaz's relationship for this moment on and will continue to be strengthened because of the relationship that started around the person of God. If a relationship doesn't start around the person of God, then the relationship is in trouble. And no matter what relationship it is, business relationship, marriage relationship, friendship, whatever it may be, if it does not start and have its continuance around the person of God, it's in trouble. It's almost as if Boaz was saying to Ruth, because God is a God of faithfulness and promise keeping, you can believe me in what I'm telling you. Because Ruth implores the God of promise, or Boaz implores the God of promise. And you need to remember, church, that, our, that the same God that Boaz called on with, to bless Ruth is the same covenant-keeping God that you and I serve, isn't it? It's the same God. Ruth could trust Boaz because he pledged by the covenant-keeping God. We can trust the promises of God because we are in Christ. We are in that covenant-keeping God. Because we are in that covenant-keeping God, we can believe whatever He says. Jesus Christ identified Himself as the I Am, the same as Jehovah, the covenant-keeping God. And we are secure and can trust Christ because Christ is in God and we are in Him. Because that is the fact, you and I can trust whatever God says. You know, there are 91 times in the New Testament alone, 91 times where you and I are, talk, are said to be in Christ. 91 times. We can trust Him. And we are in the covenant-keeping God and can trust that God just as Ruth could trust Boaz. And then look at verse 15. And she arose, and she rose to glean... And when she arose to glean, Boaz commanded his servants, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Don't give her a hard time. Don't stop her. Let her do her thing. Also, get this, you shall purposefully pull out for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. Let me tell you one thing right now. Boaz is calling on the name of Jehovah to bless Ruth, but I can tell you one thing right now. Boaz is smitten with this young girl. He is bitten by the love bug. You ever believe in, you believe in who believes in love at first sight? No one? Boaz did. I mean, he took his girl under his wings, and he said in verse 16, oh, let me do, the, not only you know, let her glean where she wants, but as you gather your bundles, go ahead and pull some out of your bundle on purpose and just throw it on the ground so she can get that too. Well, he must have really loved Naomi. No, he really had a thing for the roof. He probably said, Naomi who? So Ruth could trust Boaz. And folks, I want you to keep in mind, Ruth is a picture of the sinner. Boaz is a picture of Christ. And just as Ruth could trust Boaz, you and I can trust Christ. Because just as Ruth was inside of the promises of Boaz, who called on Jehovah God, the covenant-keeping God, we are in Christ Jesus. 
who is the great I am, who is the covenant-keeping God, who is the self-existent one. And we can trust those promises. And notice what he says in, in, in verse 23. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest and dwelt with her mother-in-law. You know, the rest of the verses there kind of deal with just Ruth gleaning in the field. And then we come down to the end of the chapter where it says she, she stayed there with, with, the, uh, with the relatives of Boaz because she could trust him. She could trust him. And folks, we can trust the promises of God. We can trust the promises of God. Didn't say it was going to be easy, but we can trust the promises of God. Amen? Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we want to thank you tonight for your goodness and your mercy and your grace to us. We thank you, Father God, for your word. We thank you for its truth. We thank you for the examples of, of men and women in the Word of God that were faithful to you. Leave us an example that we should follow. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace to us. Thank you for your provision. And Father, help us always keep in mind that as Ruth was in Boaz's promise that he made through the covenant-keeping God and could trust them, we can trust the promises of Christ because we are in the covenant-keeping God as well. Help us not to forget that. Help us to remain faithful to you. We thank you and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen.